Okay, this is tough. Let me just say two things up front, two disclaimers, and then you get no more disclaimers. Okay, number one is we never, ever encourage violence. We do not do violence. Violence is not Christianity. We don't shoot people. We don't burn down abortion clinics. That's not what we do. We try to get laws changed. We rescue children. We help mothers. Everybody understand that, right? All right. That's how we do things. Number two, if you've had an abortion, and chances are in a crowd this size, about a third of the women have, We're not here to guilt you. We want you to know there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We want you to know that the babies are in good hands, in God's hands. Uh, But I'll tell you what I am trying to do today. I'm trying to prevent one more. And so whether you're watching online, whether you're in Palm Bay, you're in the land, you're sitting out here listening to me, maybe you're pregnant, nobody knows you're pregnant, you're wrestling with the decision, I want you to, to grasp the concept of what's going on here because our culture has so spun the narrative that we've lost the, the facts. And people say, well, Joe, you've got no business getting political. Listen, this was not political. This was a God issue from the beginning of time because life is in God's hands. Let me prove this to you. You have no clue how life is created. Well, sure I do. A man and a woman. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So you know how biology works. Explain to me the spark of life that brings a soul and a living being into the world. You you got nothing. You can explain it physically, but you cannot explain the actual spark of life that is created because that spark of life is the gift of God. Because God said, I am creating man in my own image. And up until recently, most people thought that indeed... Babies were a gift from God. Regardless of the circumstances, babies were not seen as a negative. They were seen as something wonderful. Regardless of how we got into the situation we got into, babies are a gift from God. Whether they end up being adopted or however we go in the process, God has gifted us with life. And for us to step in and play God is a very dangerous place for us to be. Here's a picture. Maybe you saw this story this past week. This is a grouper they caught off the southwest coast of Florida. Yeah, he weighed several hundred pounds, and uh, you'd think he's a hundred years old. So they called in a fish specialist. Now, I don't know how much a fish specialist makes. I guess he's an, ic- be an ictoologist. I don't know, somebody that's smarter than me. Um, But they brought him in, and I have the quote. Maybe you read the story. The the professional, who knows how much we paid him, brought him in, and he looked, and he said, that is one big fish. (laughs) Let me get that down. Thank you. All right. For years, when I talked about this subject, I was trying to convince people that it was a baby. They said, it's not a baby just a mass of cells. Well, along comes ultrasound. So you can't go that route anymore because we know it's a baby. We know from conception it is a baby. We've always known that. Everybody's always known that. But yet that's been the argument that it's not a baby. It's a fetus. All right. Once again, playing on our ignorance. The word fetus is the Latin word for baby. Okay, so it's a Roman child that you're carrying around. But nonetheless, 
You see, you see how the media works? You see how the culture works? Because we're not smart enough to even look up the word. Well, of course it's a baby. My niece, Luann and I have a niece that had quintuplets two years ago. She had a two-year-old. Six children, two and under. And you know what? They had their own TV show. If you want to, I'll tell you about it. It's called Hodges Half Dozen if you want to look it up. But um, in the show, they actually showed the birth. And it was obviously by cesarean because we wanted our niece to live. Um, and when they took the babies out, they weighed a pound and a half each. Fully formed, looked just like me, cuter, but just like, <laughs> just like, there was no doubt. Nobody said, well, that doesn't look like a baby to me. Of course it was a baby. If you like to see them all running around now, they're all two years old. A gift from God. A gift from God. Nobody can argue that anymore. And then I get called a hypocrite. Well, I'm good at this. I've learned to embrace that term. All right? Because that's, that's people's line against us. Look, I'm a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Got it. Good. Embrace it. Move on. Okay? But this one really bothers me. Uh, Joe, you're a hypocrite because you are pro-life... And yet you're okay with the death penalty. Well, let me help you. All right. And maybe I shouldn't be as excited as I am about the death penalty. I'll grant you that. But the, when it says, you shall not kill, Exodus 20, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? The word that is used is, you shall not take innocent life. If you read the rest of it, there's all kinds of reasons that God says a man should be put to death. Now, that's not my job. That's a government's job, okay? You and I do not have the right to take anybody's life, all right? Therefore, the problem is the people that are fighting for a mass murderer to not be executed, and the same people are okay with abortion. Now, you tell me who's hypocritical. I guess if I'm going to be hypocritical, I'm going to be hypocritical on the side of defending innocent life. See, a lot of times I think we, we misunderstand this. If you were driving down the road and you saw a child on the side of the road and somebody was about ready to stomp on that child or shoot the child, would you go say, well, that's just one child? Would you? If you, if you would, this is not the kind of culture I want to live in. No! You would stop and you'd do everything possible to save that child. Well, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to save one or five or 10. I don't know if we can stop the whole tide. I don't know. But I do know this, that this is the seminal moment in our culture. Here's what's happening in this passage in 1 Kings 18. Obadiah is a prophet like Elijah. And there's, there's well, we know later, there's about 7,000 men that were standing up for God. But Ahab, king of Israel, is killing all of the prophets of Israel. Why? Does anybody know Why? What did Elijah prophesy two weeks ago? No rain. No rain in Israel till I say so. Why? Because King Ahab was worshiping false gods. And we talked about that he was worshiping specifically the Phoenician god of Baal. B-A-A-L. Right? Baal is known as the storm god. And he's the bringer of rain. And... The real God tells Elijah, you just let him know it won't rain till I say so. 
So this is a battle of God against God. But let me tell you something else about Baal. How they would worship Baal to get rain, they took a metal chair, this is going to get gruesome, but stick with me, and they would heat it up till it was red hot, and then they would take their babies and they would put their babies on there and their babies would be killed, thinking that that would appease God. Not much has changed. People still sacrificing their children on an altar to an unknown God. That's why God is so angry. What they're doing to their children, that's what's got God so angry here. And Obadiah steps in when Elijah, Elijah runs into him and Obadiah is like, look, I'm out here just trying to find food to keep the horses alive. And he said, don't you know that I have protected 100 of those prophets? What did he do? He knew they were going to be killed and he protected them. He got them into two caves. Now remember, there's no food. There's no food and there's no water. But Obadiah found enough to keep these 100 prophets alive. He said, don't you know while they were killing all the prophets? It was me, Elijah. I hid them. And that's awesome. Obadiah, you did a good thing. You stood where a leader should stand and you rescued someone who was innocent. Am I connecting here? Anybody, anybody at home? All right. All right. Luke 9, 62. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What's that mean? See, that's hard to grasp in our non-agrarian society that we live in here. But when you were plowing a field, if you had a mule or ox or even a tractor back in the day, you would pick a focal point at the far side of the field and you would look at that tree or that clearing and you would plow toward that. And if you're driving the tractor or even the mule this way, what's going to happen? Your lines are going to go like this. You can't, you can't plant a crop that way. Now, now we have GPS and the satellites just drive the John Deere straight down the road. It's a, it's a different kind of deal. But Jesus said, none of my people who have committed to following me, when times get tough and they turn back, he said, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Do you know that, and I'm just being straight with you, all right, because this, you might notice this issue impassions me just a bit. Um, 50% of churches in America are pro-choice. Now, I would ask, on what basis can you possibly be pro-choice? I don't want to know, so don't send me an email. But on what biblical principle? You can tell me about your feelings, your emotions, your political thoughts, but biblically, how in the world do we not defend innocent life and who is more innocent than an unborn child? Obadiah said, you know what, i got to protect these people. He did well. The second thing he did, when Elijah says, listen, I, I need you to, to help me here. And he said, look, haven't I always been a faithful servant? This is, a, this is an interesting point here. Obadiah is Ahab, the most vicious man that ever led Israel. Obadiah is Ahab's right-hand man. And yet Obadiah is a man of God. 
You see the same thing when you look about Daniel in the Old Testament. Here's Daniel in this pagan system, and yet Daniel is a man of God, and he's in the system. Why would God leave him there? Because there's a lot of people Obadiah can influence. So you may be working in a place where your boss or your owner or the group that you're in, man, it's a pagan corrupt group. Maybe you're there for just that moment. Esther 4.14, Queen Esther's got one moment in history. Her shining moment, she confronts the king to save all the Jewish people and because her uncle asked her this question, Esther 4.14, said, who knows that you haven't been born into the kingdom of God for just this moment? One moment in time, Esther, this is it. But then he goes on and he says, you know what, Esther, if you don't do your job, God will raise up somebody else to do it, but you and your family will die. Wow. So God gives us those moments where we get to step in, and who knows if this is that particular moment. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, the disciples, interesting, they did not pray that everybody would like them. They prayed that they would have the boldness to teach the truth. Because in a pagan Roman culture, their message about a Jewish Messiah was not a popular one. But it was the right one. And they prayed for boldness. And then Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34, Don't think that I came to bring peace but division. When's the last time you heard that? Well, he's the Prince of Peace. Yeah, we spent a month talking about that in December. But he said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring division. What? He said, I came to sort you out. I came to find out who's really with me and who's not. And it's not something we do with our... Our words are important. But it's our actions that show who we really are. So Obadiah has rescued those 50. He still is loyal to the king. He's What's he doing? He's out looking for grass to keep the mules alive. He's still trying to help Ahab. He's still being a faithful servant while he's rescuing the, the a faithful employer while he's rescuing the prophets. I don't know where you're at, but I know this. If you've got a job, you'd be faithful right where you are and trust that God has some great plan for you while you're in the middle of that. Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. There's the core of Christianity that we continue to love. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Listen, let me explain something to you. The dark side never gives up. The pro-death side never gives up. I don't care what the topic is. The pro-sin side never gives up. And they count on Christians giving up because we've been known to do it throughout history. And yet we have been called to stand. Because Elijah said, I'm going to show you who's really God. Now in this case, you'll find out next week, we're going to have a showdown and we're going to find out who really is God. Who controls rain, who controls life, who controls death. We're going to see all of that next week. But this whole thing is a confrontation. One day you and I will stand before Jesus. 
If I'm wrong, we just go into the ground. It won't make any difference. If we're right, it will make all the difference about where we stood and how we acted. And that leads us to the last part, the confrontation. Elijah said, look, I need you to go tell Ahab I'm coming to see him. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to go tell him Elijah's going to come to see him. He'll kill me, and then he'll kill you. And Elijah said, look, I'm coming to speak to the king to the day. I'm coming. So whether you step up and do your job, you can decide whether you're with God or not. But whether you tell him or not, I'm coming. God puts us in spots where we've got to decide, am I going to stand for God or not? See, it's easy. I don't want to say oversimplify it. But look, this is not Saudi Arabia. So it's not like coming to church today was a life and death proposition for you. Glad you're here. But it was not a life and death proposition. You're not like the church in China that you have to go underground and you have to sing without words. They sit and mouth the words because they're afraid to be heard because they know they'll be arrested, imprisoned, and killed. You didn't go through any of that. But because of our freedom, will we have the courage to actually stand? That's the question that we're facing today. And I don't know. And I guess my question is, if you're not going to stand here, where will we stand? If the church of Jesus cannot figure out that we should stand for innocent life, what else are we going to walk away from? But listen, it all goes back to what we talk about every week, the authority of Scripture. Is the Bible the authority or it's not? If it is the authority, it's very clear. If we're a product of evolution, then nothing else, it's, we're all just cells and whatever happens, happens. But if Jesus is the creator, then there is nothing more important than life itself. And that's what we're here to support and love. And whether it's helping a mother, helping you find forgiveness, whatever it might be, the church is about loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor. Will somebody say amen? Is anybody... Amen! But look, we've got to do something. Does it drive me crazy that I have to beg for pennies while my federal tax dollars are going to fund abortion? You better believe it. But I can't do anything about that. I'm trying, but I can't do anything about that. What we can do as a church is do everything we can to rescue the next one. I was talking to a group of the teenage girls last night, and I was giving them all of this information privately because I want them to be able to help their friends. When their friends, when a friend gets pregnant and all their other friends are going to say, oh, whatever, and they go, hey, there's another option. Let me tell you what God's position is. All right, let's do a quick run through of what's going on in our culture today, and I'll wrap this up. Charles Spurgeon, 19th century in London, had a huge church. He started preaching when he was 16. He preached for 65 years, built a monster church in London. But the last 20 or 25 years of his ministry, he spent, while he was preaching, he spent most of his time fighting the church. He was a Baptist. But he saw the church moving away from the authority of God's Word. And he said, guys, if we keep going down this road where we, we're, we're religious but we're not following biblical principles, it's only a matter of time until the church is dead. London is dead, spiritually. This church ran over 6,000 every weekend back in the 1850s. It's gone. Church doesn't even exist. Spurgeon saw exactly what was going to happen when the church abandoned the authority of Scripture. 
This is a young lady in Atlanta. Let me tell you her story. She was laying in a bed last weekend. Guy drove by. No, no idea. It wasn't, had nothing to do with her. Stray bullet into her bedroom, killed her in bed. She died, up, died in eternity, or woke up in eternity. Just went to bed, woke up in eternity. I'm praying that she was ready for that moment. There wasn't any warning. She has no clue. Life matters. One life matters. Last year at the Super Bowl, all right, this year you'll be watching the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Enjoy that. Um, <laughs> we'll start that quest this afternoon. Um, but last year, uh, Jeep did a commercial, and they had a unicorn in it, and I believe the, un the unicorn was killed. I can't remember the whole thing. Do you know Jeep got destroyed with emails and Twitter and all this stuff. I don't know if you guys know this, it's not a real animal. <laughs> Yet people were all about defending this animal. James Dobson, he said, the things that are done to unborn children in this culture, we would never let happen to dogs. We would never let it happen. And you know that's true. Who else we got? Oh yeah, this is the girl from... She won a Golden Globe for, I don't know, Best Actress, Best Picture, whatever. And in her speech, she said, I would like to thank abortion for this award. And she goes on to explain that she got pregnant. And every woman has the right to decide when she gets pregnant and by whom she gets pregnant. And it made me wonder if she wasn't there when that actually happened. But here's the crazy thing. She said, I would like to thank abortion. And the room went wild. They went wild for killing unborn children. They did the same thing in the State House in Albany, New York. They passed a law basically making it legal for infanticide. It's, it's beyond just abortion now. What if I don't want a born child? Wow. Did you ever think your culture would be where Baal prophets were? Well, welcome to reality. All right, we got Kate Upton. Bring Kate Upton up. I, I got to tell this story. There she is. Uh, Kate Upton got in trouble, and I, I, don't, even, I don't know anything about her. Um, but I know she got in trouble and got death threats because she was wearing fur. And they called her a murderer. And I thought, no, that's interesting. Because the same people that are calling her a murderer for wearing a fur are all pro-abortion. And nobody seems to be able to sort this out in our culture. Listen, I hope I got your attention. That was my purpose. I hope you'll decide to do something for pro-life. That was my purpose. If you need prayer, you need help post-abortion, all those folks are there. You want to volunteer, you need to give, you need prayer, come over here. You're ready to, I'm ready to become a Christian. I'm, I'm in. Uh, I need to accept Christ. I need that forgiveness in my, not necessarily just for that, but I need Jesus. Good old boy named Tom Petty. Anybody like Tom Petty? University of Florida. Tom Petty wrote a song. He recorded it. Did very well. Johnny Cash re-recorded it. He said, Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. 
He said, I'm going to stand my ground. I won't be turned around. I'll keep this world from dragging me down. He said, I know what's right. I got just one life in a world that keeps pushing me around. But I'll stand my ground and I won't back down. Father, I pray that we would learn to stand for truth, stand for life. It must seem very strange that the very gift you gave us is something that now we're fighting over. Father, we pray for one life to be changed, one heart to be changed, one brain to be changed. In Jesus' name.